0: Welcome. Thank you for joining us for another episode of FYI I Am Damaged. I'm joined by Enovi, a uh, mental health advocate and motivational speaker. Welcome. Thank you for joining me.
1: Thank you for having me. I'm really excited to be here today with you. Thank you.
0: Ah, you're welcome. You're welcome. Thank you for giving me your time. I know this was uh, some time coming. I really appreciate you, having, uh, you being here and sharing your story, your strengths, and most of all your
2: time thank you
0: through our pre-interview i feel i'm lucky to have you here with me to discuss your story due to the numerous events in your life that led you to this point of your journey surprisingly enough it didn't start with addiction even though it's not the main focus touch on the path that led you to the door of addiction
1: so you're right um it didn't st- addiction is often a symptom right. of a bigger issue, right? And um, addiction has always been a thing going on in my life from little. from teeny tiny, I was really overweight. So that was there. and then family and genetics. my father, you know, was a pretty bad alcoholic, eventually losing his life to cirrhosis of the liver. Mm. And my mom's side of the family having a lot of alcoholism. So, you know, I definitely had some stuff go on. My dad was pretty abusive to my mom. Mm. And I was there for a lot of that. Mm. And then my grandmother, my father's mother, actually told her, like, I'm not... Like, I love V That's my granddaughter. But I'm not dealing with you. Because they had a really good relationship. But right. she threatened her. Like, I'm not dealing with you. But you're going to keep dealing with my son. He's treating you terribly. And... in it's, it's hurting your daughter, you know? Right. And that kind of encouraged my mom to leave him. Mm. My mom dated men. I was molested mm-hmm. um, at like five or six-ish. And was really afraid to tell her because mm. he threatened her if right. I told. Um, and then as I got a little older, it, it I'll be honest with you, it just seemed like, like sexual abuse was kind of like a weird theme because... Right. I dealt with a lot of depression. Um, I was diagnosed with depression at 15. And mm. then when I got... A, you know, I, I kind of dealt with it. But you know how it is to be a Latino. We don't...
0: Yeah, it's never discussed.
1: Never discussed. <laughs> <laughs> so, and you know, my dad and I were pretty close. He he definitely he made a comeback in my life and did what he had to do. He tried his best, but he still struggled.
2: Right.
1: And he struggled with his mental health a lot. And then as I got older, I was in college and I was actually... My second year of college, I was raped by a friend. Mm. And also, I was I was also raped by a boyfriend. Like, right. literally, like, six months to the day. Mm. And it was just one of those things, like, I pressed charges on the friend. I did not press charges on the boyfriend. Mm. Because I couldn't rationalize in my head.
2: Right.
1: I, I don't know. I, just, I think I, I made it right somehow because that was my boyfriend. Mm-hmm. But I sat with it, I sat with this like self loathing. I lost a lot of the weight, then I was having a lot of like pains and aches and stuff, and and was going to doctors trying to figure out like what's going on. And um, come to find out, I was diagnosed with Sjogren's syndrome. And they started to prescribe me pain medication.
0: Now, for those who don't know, what's what's that?
1: So, Sjogren's syndrome is kind of like a sister to lupus. Mm. So, it's an overproduction, obviously, you know, of the white blood cells, but it affects like your moisture. So, you get this intense pain in the joints. Mm. Um, it, it affects your eyes, your teeth, a lot of like your bones mostly. Right. So, it's very painful at times, and you'll swell and. It's just incredibly painful. It it can be really painful.
0: So this feels like like a slow, kind of like a slow snowball of everything that's happening. And you're basically getting hit left and right and up and down. And now with this full body pain, I'm guessing, it's just, oh, you just slide right into something else.
1: It's funny because I didn't want to take medication at first. I wouldn't take it. I was very against taking it. I had a really bad breakup, and I would realize that when I was going through something, I felt more pain. Mm. I, I kind of was able to put that those two things together, right. and I remember I had a really bad bad breakup. I felt pain like everywhere, and I was just like, "I'm gonna take a pill today," mm. and that I for a good seven years I lived my entire addiction chasing. That feeling I had that first time I took the pill, mm. and no matter what drug I took, what drug I I dabbled and messed with, nothing felt to me as good as that first time.
0: And this was this which which opiate was it? That Percocet. Was to, Percocet. Okay.
1: And it, it definitely snowballed into mm. bigger things. And
0: I I I can I can sort of relate to a point because I've Crohn's disease and I have Crohn's disease and. There was one time I needed surgery for it. And there was something that the doctor prescribed to me was Endocit.
2: Mm-hmm. So I'm
0: guessing it was in the family of that. Yeah. Let me tell you something. <laughs> that, I mean, I have I have my own issues with weight, my own issues with food. And honestly, I can tell you that is the only thing I wanted to, to feel again. So and that was scary. And that was basically yeah. at the cusp of when people were describing the opioid addictions and the issues that are going on in the country Mm -hmm. and i said oh shit but it's the only thing that's in the back of my head of like i i want that feeling again and um i was just fortunate that i just stayed away from it yeah and uh, i I, one time even asked the doctor i was like oh um i was prescribed this before and he gives me this look oh and uh, he's like yeah he gives me this look and he's like how about you try something now how about some talent or something like that and i'm luckily i wasn't in, in that space to be pushy or whatever mm-hmm. or be trying to get my way to get that and luckily he did that and i'm like you know what So let me stop fucking with this yeah
1: yeah and
0: oof, but i i know I that, that 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 want that beginning want and
1: um, i did that the doctor shopping oh my god doctor shopping Uh, yeah so doctor shopping is kind of like well so i this was a while ago mm. so now you know they have different things in effect so they'll red flag you and it's a world like not a worldwide but like um i believe it's a u.s thing but i could be wrong but they have a system where when they enter your name into it Mm -hmm it'll tell of any prescriptions you've gotten anywhere and who prescribed it and the number to contact yeah that's now before that wasn't an option so i was able to go to this pain management doctor and get percocet and then go to the other pain management doctor and get vicodin and then go to the dentist later on and get more percocet like and they'll give it to you as long as they were different milligrams or different types of opiates right so you can't like if I was your doctor and I prescribed you Percocet I you can't go somewhere else and get Percocet you know until a month later but I would be able to give you morphine wow instead yeah so I would have just a ton of different types of medications at home Mm. and um Towards the end of my addiction, when it got really, really, really bad, I was red flagged. Like, wow. Yeah.
0: <laughs> I remember one time I went to the the to the ER, and I I maybe that was when this is in effect. This guy complaining about pain, all that, and we were in the ER. This he's pain doctor. I you know I need some stuff. Da da da. Doctor didn't believe him, holding him, uh, pushing him back, basically just like wait there wait 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 and then all of a sudden they're like where's where's the guy he ripped the iv out of his arm and left the er because they weren't uh they didn't give him what he needed he wanted some pain meds yeah and they were going to give him some regular stuff he's like no no i need some other stuff and they said where the hell is he and yeah he just ripped the iv out of his arm and walked out that was like a, that was the weirdest thing, and then it's and then I asked. I was like, "What's that about?" And it's like, "No, I think the doctor was just dealing with somebody who who's an addict who needed yeah. something." I was like, "Oh."
1: Withdrawal is horrible, yeah. and when you're going through it, it's really uncomfortable. The most dangerous withdrawal you can go through is alcohol withdrawal. It's hands down the most dangerous withdrawal.
2: Yeah.
1: Um, opiate withdrawal is really, really, really uncomfortable, but most likely. You're not going to die from it. It's just right. really... Unless there's any, there's other pre... You know, things kind of lying underneath there. But it's uncomfortable. Like, where most people go through withdrawal for like three to four days. Mm-hmm. I went through withdrawal when I went to detox. It was two whole full weeks. Right. That's how many <laughs> types of different opiates and drugs. And wow. it was the worst. They had to literally sedate me for a majority of that time. Uh, that's... It was really uncomfortable. I was taking the equivalent... Uh, I mean, I did try heroin. I've definitely tried coke, you know, and I would kind of play with it a little bit. But I was really scared, which was really silly Mm -hmm. because honestly, that what the doctors were prescribing me is the same exact thing. Right. Same thing. So I just, for whatever reason, I felt like, well, if a doctor is giving it to me, it must be safe. Right. I overdosed four times. It's a horrible way to live. You live every day doing the same thing over and over. It's like Groundhog's Day.
0: Now that that feeling from taking the opiates and then with heroin itself, where it basically comes well, the well, the heroin that comes from the opiates, is that a different feeling?
1: Not to me. Or no. I no. mean,
0: I I I don't know the experience of yeah. like taking that. It's like the comparison. It's like you take heroin no, I'd rather take pills.
1: So, my drug of choice, honestly, people are going to be like, well, fent- my drug of choice was fentanyl. Right. Which is pretty strong and dangerous. Very, very. Um, I, 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 I have no idea how I'm sitting here today, honestly. But, the, the again, heroin wasn't, like, a big thing for me. I, mm-hmm. It was maybe I could count on one, to- on one hand the amount of times I've tried it.
2: Mm-hmm. Not
1: many people know that. Like, I've mm-hmm. always kept that one really secret. All right. But... It, it's more in my opinion from what i recall it's more comparable to fentanyl mm-hmm. like they're very similar fentanyl was i had to be very careful with it because it, right. it definitely had me i would draw like twice over fentanyl
0: and yeah i mean anybody anybody listening that's this is the whole point of it focus on somebody's strengths and what they go through but touching on the journey and something like this it's People think addiction is clear-cut. You're addicted to something, you got to go through uh, recovery and then be strong about staying there. But this this journey is very complex. It's very, It has many facets and it's not easy because you have a very complex situation. You can very, have a very complex person and those two complexities meeting each other don't always find a good outcome. Right. As we've seen with a lot of addicts and you've been very fortunate because you're here you know you're doing you're living your life and we're sitting here under a beautiful tree a beautiful day and you know enjoying and um celebrating life through the adversity that you did and it's i wanted to touch on which i forgot to touch on in the beginning because it's it was just this was just a chance meeting
1: right because
0: I get a I get I see a couple of missed calls from my wife and then I finally hit her. She's like, "Oh my god!" I'm like, "What the hell just happened?" (laughs) (laughs) She she goes to the pool (laughs) and I'm thinking something's happening, you know, or whatever. And she's with um, she's with Myrena, which was uh, one of my other guests on the episode. And for the uh, the domestic violence, and they call me and she's like. Oh my God! I got I got the, the I have somebody for you for the podcast, <laughs> and I'm like, what happened? And she's like, Oh my God! And she basically goes through this thing of saying, she's like, this this lady thought I, she's like I thought this lady is gonna think we're crazy. She, she's <laughs> we that we're stalking her. She's like we're in the line with her, um, and I think I think she was in the line with you at the concession stand yeah. that she took a uh she was discussed like having a random talk with your mom yep. <laughs> and then i think you guys sat next to each other yeah. somewhere and she's like oh my god, she, she's this lady's gonna think i'm crazy <laughs> we're always next to each other she's probably gonna think i'm stalking her and then as her personality her personality is she strikes up a conversation with you mm-hmm. she's like oh my god babe you know she's she's gone through this she's gone through that and i think she'll be a wonderful guest for the podcast." Uh, and i'm just on the phone like uh-huh okay <laughs> all right um i said okay so that's when you know information takes place uh, exchanges and you know then we have our discussions our preview, and then here we are i mean talk about that that day and you know like i mean pick up to my wife yeah. rg <laughs>
1: It's like divine intervention honestly. <laughs> no, but that that you know I have to just say like can we have a moment for your wife? She's amazing.
0: She gets a lot of moments. She's, she's the best.
1: Okay? Cuz we were on the line and then um a few times uh-huh. and i was just like i swear i'm not following you guys and they kind of said the same thing and <laughs> oh so funny. you felt that way too <laughs> yeah i felt like i was following them oh. so i was like i swear i'm not i swear and we just kind of had a laugh and there was this beautiful young lady that walked by full-figured girl but very neat so uh-huh. pretty and i said to my mother under my breath i wish i had that type of confidence Mm. And she turned around. Your wife turned around and was just like, and why do you not? (laughs) (laughs) Why not? And I'm just like, wait, huh? She's like, if you want to wear it, wear it. It would look great on you. And just started kind of like feeding my soul. Mm -hmm. And that's when we started this conversation. And I was like, you know, it's so funny you say that because I do motivational speaking. Mm -hmm. And I needed you to to motivate me right now. She's like, it's all right. We We always give it, but don't take it, right? And I'm just like, you're dead on. But it was so encouraging and inspiring, and I felt so comfortable talking to her. Right. And that's when she was just like, I have to connect you to my husband because... I think you'd be perfect. That, and that's then her and in a nutshell. her best friend was, I forgot her name, I'm sorry. Amarena. Amarena. Yeah. She was just like, yes, you have to. And <laughs> she kind of shared some of her story. And it was really nice. And their yeah. energy is just incredible. When you know, you know, when like that intuition chick kicks in. And you're just like, yeah, these are good
0: people. Oh, really yeah. good people. I that. That's that she she's she's the, the the lady at the bus stop that, you know, you'll strike a conversation yep. with, you know, and she just talk and talk and talk and then. I, I love that about her. You know, sometimes she's it's like, babe, we got to go, to this and that. Yeah. You know, oh, hit me up on Instagram. Da, 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 yeah. and you know, you talk about it later.
1: That sounds like and my husband <laughs> all the time. You talk too much. You just, you just... So I completely understand. But she's just... Something about her is just so comforting. And I think it's, it's both of y'all. You know, right. it, it's just you guys are really comforting. The energy is amazing. And I'm just like... Here's my life story, <laughs> you know. Like I went through ABC one to three, and she's just like, "Oh my gosh!" But she's she's really, really uh, an encouraging woman, and mm-hmm. you know, you guys are both just incredible, and I appreciate Thank it. You. Thank you. Like I appreciate your time too, and her time, and inviting me here.
0: Hey, look. This is this is a lot of heavy lifting. There's a lot of intricacies in it, but I I I see the potential in it, and. You know, I'm, like I said in the beginning, I'm just glad you're able to share your time with me because it's it's hard for a lot of people. A lot of people are not comfortable. They yeah, yeah. they're 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 comfortable with taking everything in, but not sharing theirs. And you know, people have to treat this like uh, a library that you have to you have to subscribe, but uh, participate and contribute to. Because if you don't, then there's not that mon- There's not that much content that people are gonna gonna experience to learn from.
1: That's true. That's a really good analogy. That makes so much. That makes sense. It definitely yeah. makes sense. Yeah.
0: You know, and and to continue on, um, some, if not one of those events that you've gone through would have tore, if not all of the events, you know, it just would have obliterated a person, you know, to their core. But you've maintained so what was that driving factor to stay strong especially i know we may be glossing over a few things but we can go back and forth but um with the objective to stay clean how do you show yourself up what's one of the things that just keeps you strong and keeps you away from things that is not conducive to a good life
1: that's a really good question i my family And this is going to sound really, 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 really selfish, myself.
0: Of course. That's where it starts. Yeah.
1: Yeah. I think my whole life I've been dealing with low self-esteem, not feeling good enough, not feeling like I amounted enough.
2: hmm
1: um my mom is a very strong personality but i'm i'm kind of the person like even though i'm very happy-go-lucky and and i can strike a conversation with anybody i love to help people right. i sometimes fade in the background mm. especially with the group of women in my family they're very strong and very out there and very so my mom is a very 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 strong personality and i remember growing up she was always saying like you have to love yourself you have to love yourself mm. But engaged in behaviors that didn't always show that. So it was more like and I knew what she was doing. Sometimes you have to do the whole fake it till you make it.
0: But did she did she know you were watching or she didn't realize or she didn't realise you were watching to be like, I'm saying one thing but doing another?
1: I don't think she realized it. Okay. I think that I think we're also dealing with the whole idea of generational curses mm-hmm. and we're dealing with trying to change the paradigm and and really, you know, or tilted and, and try to make it different. Like, even down to the man I married was nothing like my father. Right. The complete opposite. And don't get me wrong. I was the girl that dated the drug dealer. I was the girl that wanted to save the guy, you know. And that's the way my mom is, mm. you know. Growing up, I, I that didn't work. It didn't work.
2: Mm.
1: And I just always saw my mom kind of putting out more than she got.
2: Right.
1: I made a conscious decision, like. Okay, I'm not going to, it's going to sound weird. I'm not going to go for this because this didn't work for me before. Right. And, or I would see certain traits in, in a man that, that was more like my dad. And I was just like, I can't, mm. I, I can't do this for the rest of my life. As old, head over heels in love, I was with this person. I just felt like I can't do this back and forth, This this insecure, this, all of this. And my father told me these words once never go for a man that you are head over heels in love with that is and you're constantly like thinking about them and wanting them and all that right and I'm just like but isn't that what you want like the love the excitement absolutely not he was like absolutely not that's insecurity that's fear mm. that's um, wondering what they're doing wondering if they're thinking about you that there shouldn't even be a thought it should just flow right you want to be with somebody who matches your energy. And makes you feel comfortable. Mm -hmm. It makes you feel validated. It makes you feel seen. And it doesn't have to be this over the top, crazy, passionate thing.
0: No, you're right. And even even then that 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 takes a working up to. Yeah. Because people their gears do need to match up, but then that sinking takes time. That takes learning. That takes real love. Yes. And not just like how you said it's I I've the the infatuation.
1: Yep of yep.
0: wanting you don't want an infatuation with a person you want that love and through that love you'll find synchronicity and the synchronicity you guys be on the same page whether yeah. it's like okay i'm taking out the garbage you're doing the dishes this yep. and that we sit down watch a movie you know yes. when it happens but you know and I mean, you know family people growing
1: so. up latina and latinos yeah. like we're raised as women you know we're already on mommy track from three you know oh like my God. you know we you, a cocinar, toys, alibiar, that, you know what yeah, i'm saying like all we we're already taught that yeah and so at my my instinctual way of life is to serve right. right and to be submissive and i was constantly going for these men that i had to serve and be yeah. submissive to and realizing this is not working
0: there's and an addiction in that as well yes you know it's
1: that validating it, feeling exactly. and the chase and the and then the trauma bond of it all
0: for all the people around a woman and it's like oh i have to show them that i'm doing stuff for my man and i think i mentioned it before in other ones where or we, i've just had discussions and a long time ago arjun and i will be talking and and we would be at a party and I'm product of a single family, yeah. uh, a a single parent household. Have to do for myself, and then I told her, "I said, I don't need you to, I don't need you to do for me." Right. I remember it was at a party once, and I'm hope I'm keeping true to what I said before. But they would tell her, like, "Oh wait, he um, she, she, she she's the party monster. Forget it. She's dancing. She her she can complain that her feet hurt, but then she'll be dancing." so everybody has to leave the party
1: right
0: and you (laughs) know you're talking
1: about me and
0: my husband that's that's rz as well yeah you know she she kills it doesn't matter you know because that that's her and that passion of hers to do that like i love and i admire it Mm -hmm. because you know in certain points i'm slowly getting out of it but that's that that the majority of it isn't me right and it's hard to to try and get that across and have her understand it, but she 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 does understand it and it goes back and forth but the point is is that we were at a party i'm getting my own plate i'm playing with the we we had oh. our first born i'm playing with the baby and doing this and that she's dancing chilling having a good time and they're like one was like oh you know oh you, uh, he he got his own plate right <laughs> and, and oh he's 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 playing with the baby
2: Mm-hmm. While all
0: like some of the women are like they're serving for serving. their man, they're they're watching the kids and the guys are just chilling and you know shooting the shit and this mm-hmm. and that, maybe dancing occasionally, and I think uh, I think one of her cousins was like wait he, he takes care of the baby, he he you know and right. she's like yeah you know his that's his that's son. how he does right. that that's that's him, you know not a person like like I don't treat every every seat that I sit on as a throne. Like no, it's I, I've always kept the the thing of fifty fifty. And then I seen that and then you describing all that stuff, I'm like, wait, even even that's an an addiction that some of them some of the these ladies prescribe to. Yeah. To me I find it as a shame but hopefully they can see that and be like, you know, no, I'm yeah. more than this, like we have to we have to hold this weight of the family.
1: Right. And I learned what a true man is as I got way older and mm. as I got married and I, I think I always thought that a real man was like possessive or protective quote-unquote um, will fight for you could be loud could be boisterous in your face all of that um, will get upset if you go somewhere without him what you wear stuff like that mm. but when I was nearing the end of my addiction my husband we had no money he lost his job i lost my job he literally did deliveries because they didn't have like uber as that yet like at that time so he was doing deliveries in different like pizza shops and we're talking about he's an engineer but that wasn't even a a thing like he did deliveries he did whatever he had to do if anything it was that was legal he did it (laughs) where i was so used to somebody like well i need quick money let me go you know flip a few bricks and then i'll have a few thousand dollars or whatever yeah he didn't do that he worked his ass off excuse my language but he worked his ass off just to make sure that we were okay Mm -hmm. and as i got older and and as as we grew together um you know i started to really see that all that other stuff is not you know what a real man is you know
0: are you seeing this through your dealing with addiction, or this is post,
1: both because I was okay. in it right at the same, like towards the end of my addiction. I, at the end of it, I'm watching him kind of like do all of this to to make me okay, and then mm-hmm. make our family okay. You know, because we had his kids. My son wasn't born at this time. I just saw everything he did, and it inspired me to also want to stop using. Nice, it, because I felt like, well, I'm gonna be okay. Mm-hmm yeah because that was what i was afraid of i don't want to feel that pain because i was just so tired of pain and don't get me wrong my life wasn't terrible like there were times they were really fun and and really beautiful and you know i I remember times driving with my dad and i and i think of it all the time you know like where he was really silly and funny and with sinquito nieves in the car and banging on the steering wheel and it was great (laughs) you know we go to six flags just him and i we go have lunch every wednesday we had great times but there were tough times and I just saw the dedication that he had into making sure that our family was okay, that it inspired me. It, it did two things. It made me feel incredibly worthless because I felt like, well, I'm just a burden mm. on this man. Right. But he never complained about it. And then it also made me feel incredibly inspired mm. because I felt like he's not complaining about it. He'll let you know when he's bothered. Mm. <laughs> he's that type. <laughs> So, I knew that he wasn't saying anything negative. So, he was just rolling with the punches. He wanted to support me, but didn't totally know how to.
2: Mm, okay.
1: And the day that I got clean, I remember, you know, I, I was either going to live or die that day. And I, I, I chose to die, believe it or not. I was going to um, OD on, like, Tylenol. Right. And I had made a call 20 days before to a, a rehab. And they called me that same, the moment I put the pills in my mouth. Mm-hmm the phone rang and it was that it was the the rehab it was the weirdest thing and i told him and he's like i support whatever you have to do i'll be there soon i'm leaving you know because he was doing like well i think he actually had a job at that point like a more stable job and he just like dropped everything just to like be there for me right and i think in that i learned a lot of what a what a real man does and you know it's not about the fighting it's not about getting a quick money or going to jail and and a real woman doesn't need to hold down her husband while he's in jail. Like that's not even needed, you know, and it, it inspired right. me to get clean.
0: The right type of support. Right. And
1: right. Cool. And it was consistent and it was peaceful. Cool. And I never felt scared that I had my moments where I feel scared that he would leave me because of what I was doing. Right. And then my addiction and stuff. But he unconditionally loved me through that. Mm-hmm. Like there was no thinking on his part it was never even a like he never threatened divorce I I did you know I was that person was like I'm not good enough like we should get divorced or like Mm -hmm. I did a lot of self-loathing right and he was just like girl bye like (laughs) I'm not going anywhere you know like we're here we're in it we're gonna do this you know so for somebody to deal with a woman in that capacity it it takes a lot of strength especially as a man especially in our culture and Mm -hmm. although he's not the same culture but that takes a lot and I really I I grew to really respect him more than I had already respected him you
0: know that's a that's a beautiful thing yeah now when stepping back a little bit when using took a hold of you and when it became second nature to your life how was that discussion in your head to rationalize that this is normal in your view day to day
1: that's a really good question (laughs) ooh Okay. I try. I try. That I was try. a good one. I try. <laughs> so I'm very impulsive. It's a really bad, bad quality. It can be good. It could be good sometimes. But I'm really impulsive. So honestly, the way I rationalized it, like every only child, I'm an only child, I don't have siblings. I would just say, I'm going to just do this. Mm. I'm just going to do it. There was no complete rationalization. I think the most rationalization I did was. Well, doctor started giving it to me.
2: Mm,
1: right. Right? So, I was constantly going through my prescriptions. I never lasted the whole month for the pain medication ever.
2: Right.
1: And, you know, for me, it was what I needed. I also used to get, like, pain and through seizures. So, because I would be in so much pain. Now, looking back, it was probably withdrawals. Okay. But... They thought it was pain and through seizures and.
0: So they kept giving you more, yeah, more. Yeah, pain but I was
1: medicine. going right wow. through them a week, a weekend, and I'm when I tell you the it was a lot. Like I was taking maybe 250 milligrams of opiates three times a day. Wow. Yeah, yeah it was really bad. I just did it. I I just said, well, doctor started giving it to me. I don't want to have a seizure. hmm But I'm gonna do whatever I need, and I just I did whatever I had to do to get it.
0: And that became your new normal. Yeah.
1: Every day I woke up to get drugs.
0: Now, did you did you float the, the line between functional and full-blown addict? I think before when we, were either you mentioned or we discussed that you functioned fine.
1: To a point, um, so I, I thought mean, I did. Walk us through that, yeah. Yeah, I thought I did. Um, I didn't. Hmm. It was very obvious, and I didn't realize that at the time towards the end of my addiction my entire life just revolved around it there was no way you couldn't tell it just it just became everything i was so obsessed with it
2: Mm.
1: Uh, and literally i would get anxiety knowing like i would i would plan it out in my head and i would get this intense anxiety knowing on this day i'm most likely gonna run out what do i have to do to get it and the insanity of it is is that i spent thousands of dollars on this wow and the things that i could have saved for you know what i mean like yeah. that's just crazy looking back especially
0: how was that addition in your head right did you just stop and be like wait a minute i spent this much on this much and this time and that that you it just is it incalculable or you actually hit a number or i've hit a
1: number i'm not ready to say it it's um, then, yeah it's then, heavy no that's it's a big I've, number um, I think I still live with a lot of guilt for that one. Right. Right. It was big. And I somehow just made it right. I I just oh well. That was what I would say. And it sounds so horrible now as I look back, but that was my, my perspective on it. It was just like, oh well, like I'm just gonna do it and not fully think about it. And then when I would feel guilt I'm already high, so right. I feel like guilt but oh well you know it was just it was a it was very counterintuitive it was very strange
0: and that's that's the other part people don't see of like literally feeding an addiction oh yes you know it's, yes. it's people think you know it's like where does the money come from and it, it wherever it comes it it goes to that yes and so, people really they don't really see the cost until somebody brings it up so i'm sure if people could do the numbers in their head and they see over the course of the years Look, this this it does add up. They talk about how how many people are addicted, how much they take, uh, and all that that comes with the addiction except for the money factor that goes straight into these pharmaceutical companies' yes. wallets. Yes. You
1: 100%. Know? It's really yeah. painful to see. Yeah. You know, and yeah. it's it's horrible. It and your is. life revolves around it, you know. And the other thing is that Addicts. A lot of people misconstrue and just like, oh, you, why can't you just stop? Why can't you just go to rehab? Why can't you? Do? The rehabs are over flooded. It is. I made a call 20 days before the wow. day I got clean. 20 days. I did it on my birthday, February 3rd, and they called me February 23rd, 2015 at 5:47 p.m. Wow. I will never forget that 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 doctor and I still see the same doctor to this day. He's mm-hmm. been a very like a guiding light for me.
2: Right.
1: And um you know, but people don't realize like we don't want to be an addict. Like I don't I never wanted to be an addict. It gets to a point where you have to use so you're not sick. Right. So you know, and people look at at, at people like us, and, you know, me and, and and addiction and we're just like why would you do all that? Like that's a lot, you know, yeah. you're jumping through hoops. I'm gonna be honest with you. The worst thing I did, one of the worst things I did was stole my mother's rent money and helped her look for it. Wow. Helped her with her. Right. Like I it's not here. Like and I still have a lot of shame about it, you know, and I've definitely paid my dues to her. You know, but that was that was a like how do you do that? That's really fucked up
0: i've i've i can attest to that well i can attest to experience that because we've had addicts in um our family on my mother's side and it it was when those uh those little portable tvs came out i think my sister wanted one she i i forgot i don't know if my mother or my father got her for her and uh, i think I, if i recall like my either my uncle or my aunt i forget who it was a long time ago like they they stole it and they sold it for
2: drugs Yep.
0: and you know that was our first experience with dealing with what an addict would do to support their their habit yeah and it wasn't a good feeling we saw what it did to um, my mom and her dynamic with her family and it wasn't a beautiful thing it a lot
1: of people don't realize that I mean we do know okay so we know that addiction affects families mm-hmm. what happens is that this can be controversial to say being the addict I don't believe it affects the addict the most
0: no it's not, you're right yeah
1: I believe it affects the family more Absolutely. than anything yeah um as the addict we we get clean we get praised after we get clean the attention is amazing because we feel so accomplished difficult it's a difficult experience but what a lot of people don't realize is that then the family is sitting there with all the damage that we've done right right and they feel like well i have to forgive this person because they're now clean no you don't no you don't you're it's i do believe in the whole idea of it it's good to forgive it gives you the freedom But it's really important to to be able to identify the pain that you have in order to heal and move past it. And I don't think that any support system should ever feel guilty about that. And a lot of people do. Right. Because it's really difficult, you know, because I also was the the family member of an addict too, although I was the addict as well, my father. Right. You know, and my father never really sat with me and was just like, I'm so sorry for what I put you through. He never did that. I knew he was, but, you know, Mm -hmm. that was me and... Finishing college and studying psychology and having a case that... You know, like, at this point in my life. Mm-hmm. But people don't usually...
0: Do you feel he did it in other ways?
1: My dad... He was rough. So he was either really happy or really miserable. There was really mm-hmm. no in between. I think he tried to do it in the best way he knew how to. Right. He definitely made his apology on his deathbed. Okay. Literally the day he was dying... Um, Cause my parents were still legally married Although they were not together They were separated My father literally held my mom's hand And told her I never stopped loving you Like he was still in love with my mom wow. Imagine that yeah. Imagine living What 25 years give or take Cause when he passed away I think I was 30 When he passed away So You're living 25 years give or take In love with someone who's just You mm-hmm. abuse them Wow. And you hurt them. And you. He did a lot to her. And she never uttered a bad word about that man. I've mm. always respected her for that. The,
0: the, the, it, it, it's, a, it's a weird dynamic where that type of thing a person deals with. Did that. Going through that and him making his apologies on his deathbed, did that take more of a toll on her, the apology, than the actual abuse that his addiction made him do or this it was a product of the what he did to her which was a product of his addiction like how was she able to manage that nobody focuses on that side right
1: it's true so
0: did she ever confide in you like the apology fucked me up more than the abuse
1: so i think that she actually Was really grateful for the apology I think it did a lot for her It fucked me up Mm. I felt like What the fuck You gonna do this
0: now
1: Uh, With all the time we had You gonna do this now
0: So she reconciled with it but you
1: couldn't I I couldn't And um, I was really mad at him Mm. Because I felt like how could you do this My son is a year and a half You're barely in this child's life Now you're leaving And um, I've done everything for you wiped this man's ass lived with him practically Mm
2: -hmm.
1: and now you're going to sit here and apologize to us when all you have to do is stop doing this so here's the weird part when i i'm I'm very contradictory i'm saying like addicts don't want to be addicts Mm -hmm. is we do this because we feel like we have to do it right but as a child to an addict i felt like well why did you put me through that The difference, and here's where I tried to shift in the generational curse, what I went through was my son never met me as an addict. I was clean two years prior to him. Right. And I'm really grateful that I was able to do that for him because he'll never know that woman. You know, she's dead. She's totally dead. But my father, I knew that. Right. And he's dead. He's totally dead. And I don't feel like I'm better than my dad in any capacity or below him. It's something like that. It was just something that I chose to do knowing what I went through. Mm-hmm. But I, there was a long time I felt really angry at him. But I, I I tend to be the kind of person that tries to look at the positive side of things right. more than not. And I wanted so badly not to be mm-hmm. mad at him. I, I really wanted to just perceive it in a more positive light. Mm-hmm. But I was really mad. <laughs> I was just really pissed off, like... You're doing this now? Why couldn't you do this before? Right. You know, but he ended up in that situation because he stopped using and drinking when my son was born. Mm. Because he wanted to be there for my son. Right. So I, I felt like that was one of the greatest acts of love my father could have done. And um, I guess that goes back to the question of has he ever really apologized? I think that was probably his showing or, okay. or his attempt to show that he was sorry but i i okay. you know when he died i felt really mad at him about that because i was just like why didn't you do this sooner you know right and then my mom is sitting there like oh you know he said sorry you yeah. know and i'm just like
0: oh. maybe that's what she was waiting yeah for, i think
1: you know she needed yeah. that though he wasn't good to her he was horrible to her and she mm. never ever ever uttered a bad word to him I had no idea what went on I knew what I saw
2: right.
1: um, a lot of stuff I don't remember I remember one incident that was mm-hmm. really bad um, he, you know he, he tried to kill me he tried to kill us both he threw a lamp at the, the wall long story short he threw a lamp at the wall he did that on purpose and um, he admitted that and the lamp shattered but one of the, the pieces of it was kind of like sticking up yeah. and I landed on it Mm. So it pierced me, you know, my mom just grabbed me and and had to run. You know, we lived on Gun Hill. So she literally ran um, with one of the people that we lived in the building. He was a police officer, ran all the way to Montefiore with me. Mm. And thank God, you know, but it was scary, Mm. you know. So he put me through a lot, but, you know, when um, my son was born, he definitely showed me, like, I'm going to try and do this differently. Mm -hmm. And I, I was grateful for that. It, it, it meant a lot to me, okay. you know, and he, he did what he had to do to get himself back in my life mm-hmm. and and take those steps. And it wasn't always great. He mm-hmm. he was a piece of work. Yeah, he de- dealt really badly with his mental illness. There were times he would just leave me places like if we were driving upstate, he would just leave me because he was mm-hmm. just mad. Or whatever wow. he was mad about he was really mad that i was molested when i was five he got with a lot of guilt because of that and mm-hmm. i always knew that he was gonna bring that up start drinking and then somehow still take it out on me mm-hmm. so it was very strange mm-hmm. but when my son was born that changed he re- he really tried to okay. kind of i guess make do what mm-hmm. he did to me okay.
0: so to help those identify and help their loved ones should they feel someone is hiding their addiction from them what can they look for to help them determine if this is happening
1: so a change in personality definitely nodding a lot of nodding Mm -hmm. so one thing um, if sorry really quickly if the person is a smoker Mm -hmm. one thing you can look at is if they smoke in the car Or like in certain areas, check for cigarette burns around Mm -hmm. because what happens is that they're nodding off and they'll probably have a cigarette in their hand and it'll burn down and it'll fall.
0: Not the addiction of regular smoking, but no, what yeah. there's just smoking, but they're an addict, and then right. you just see burn marks everywhere. Right. Because oh, they're nodding because of... The drugs. Yeah.
1: Yeah, but usually the cigarette intensifies that high. Gotcha. So a lot of people who don't even smoke like that, but they use drugs, will start smoking mm. because it intensifies the high. But you'll start to notice around them, like burns in their shirts, like even cigarette burns on themselves, their hands... Mm. Really? Um, burns on the the seats the car always the car
0: and also the act of if they're not a smoker and then they start smoking yeah yep. that that's a, that's you're saying yeah. that's a byproduct yeah not the,
1: always but right okay. what i've yeah. seen
0: but if you see a person who's never smoked in their life and then and all of a sudden they go through some shit and then wait you're smoking yeah. now and then i see this then okay that's a good
1: yeah um uh very dramatic weight loss yeah mm-hmm. um There's this, okay, so there's a weird thing that happens. Like, your skin looks like gray. Mm. It's weird. So, it's, I can't even explain it. But you'll be able to see a difference in their skin tone and a difference just in, like, how you can almost see the veins in their hands, Mm. you know, and always the age-old track marks. So, and it looks, they look like little mosquito bites with, like... You know, like a little um,
0: a vein coming from it, or something. It like that, could or, be, yeah. or
1: or like a mosquito bite with a, a tiny little scab right in the middle of it, mm. and okay. that that's a track mark. And you'll see them around in the between their toes, their fingers, because mm. they're trying to hide it. Right. Um, even in their neck sometimes. But oh, the wow. biggest thing is the track marks, the nodding, weight loss, even personality. Um, opiates kind of long-term opiate use at first it kind of makes you tired you know and you fall asleep but long term you'll notice an increase in their behaviors and like they mm. c- almost become like erratic um it, it really affects your mental health drastically
0: like a, sort of like in a manic type of sense yes. or yeah
1: okay. like almost like bipolar but not
2: right
1: not in the in, um, not so much like because not in a mania of bipolar but mm. just like excited like like ADHD type. Okay. That's probably a better. Gotcha. Okay. And the other thing that is very strange. Sugar. Addicts. Another any, drug. Right. <laughs> right. Um, when we use opiates. Mm-hmm. You need sugar. Mm-hmm. I don't know why. Usually it's like the fruity candies. The sour candies. The, yeah. the um, Starburst. Stuff like that a lot of um drug addicts who use opiates need sugar and that also i believe if i remember correctly the reason why is because scientifically it increases your high sugar kind of has the same effect it binds to your opiate receptors Mm, so you know it kind of just makes you feel like you know and that that's like why you know kids get a little hyper when they eat sugar
0: yeah Kind hyper of on top of that addiction yeah. it's i'm sure but if you notice them st- yeah.
1: you know eating a lot of candy right. and you're noticing other stuff you're like okay there's something going on here mm, for okay. sure and if you ask them to do a drug test and they get offended if you're not hiding anything you shouldn't get offended
0: true especially on that point
1: mm-hmm.
0: now uh, do you feel going through your past traumas um prior to the addiction kind of softened mm-hmm. you up to addiction or was it the physical response to it now i i know we're probably just it's a touching back and forth but a lot of people because people can argue that okay i've been through this i've been through that which you know i can attest to and other than but there's also little attic things that people do right like with myself it's it's probably i would narrow it down to food Mm -hmm. Uh, but i've been through my past trauma traumas and Uh, I haven't gone through the weighty effect of being addicted to those type of drugs, but do you think, in your perspective, because we're focusing on you, Mm -hmm. that you think you would have reached that point of this type of addiction because of what you've been through? Or was it a chance thing that you going through everything that you did, these past traumas, Than your introduction or being around these type of drugs, and say, hey, fuck it, you know. I mean, was there any kind, kind of, um, kind of correlation, or it's just a chance thing that you just started using?
1: So I do. Yes and no. Okay. So I think that had I not gone through what I went through, I I don't think I would have picked up a drug. Okay. However, I do believe that it made me. I believe that there's so much addiction in my family that there's definitely... It's definitely, like, a hereditary thing. Right. You know, it's a disease, and um, there's there's actually a gene for it. You know, mm-hmm. it's in your DNA. And um, I had it from both sides. I may not have had the addiction to opiates, but maybe it would have went back to food. Right. You know, I, I think I've been dealing with addiction since I was, like, five. You know, and that's kind of ironic... Because I went through, you know, sexual abuse at five. Mm-hmm. So I think that was just my way to cope with that. Right. Once I found this medicine and I saw how good it made me feel, I stuck to that. But I think I was pre-conditioned, not preconditioned, but like maybe predisposed right. to possibly having an addiction because mm-hmm. the gene mm-hmm. kind of runs in both sides of my family. Okay. So... Mm-hmm. I mean,
0: it's, it's. I'm sure people can talk on both sides about it, right. but it's it's always, I feel there's always something, there's always something there, and it's definitely there on both sides because yeah. people want to, they don't want to be stressed all the time, they don't want to feel the way they feel, right. and they find an outlet, and sometimes those outlets are very severe, and it's just, it's, it's addiction, and people don't yeah. see it for what it is
1: and most of us have a vice you know some people have a healthier vice working out walking talking maybe working a lot you know we know those people that
0: od it in the gym and everything yeah uh, you're a little bit
1: addicted to it and And there's also a lot of people that don't you know they have had mom and dad be drug addicts they grow up in really horrible you know conditions but they don't they never touch the drug and they Mm -hmm. Live really great lives, you know, right. and and kudos, you know. I think that's amazing. I yeah. I couldn't do that. I, well, I I could now, but I wasn't able at that point to do right. it. I don't think I was taught healthy coping skills either. Mm-mm. So that makes things a little different, you know. I didn't know right. how to deal with life. I dealt with it. That's another thing. Like I I, I just never felt totally comfortable expressing myself. Mm-hmm. So I kind of sat with a lot, and I think I needed something to just make me feel better. Right. So had I had a comfortable place to talk and and, and feel more comfortable and feel like nobody's going to leave me and, and just take off on me, because I right. always had this fear of abandonment, um, maybe I wouldn't have ever became an addict. You know, maybe mm-hmm. I would have had healthy coping skills, but I didn't. Didn't right. have healthy coping skills for me. I've always been a people pleaser. I always wanted people to like me. It was just always about everybody else, and and I never really thought like, well, how did this hurt me? How did this affect me? Right. It was always like, well, I can't say this because then so and so is not gonna like me anymore.
0: And, and and it lends to the fact that different people. It's it's different for everyone. Right. It's, there's so many facets. Not there's no one size fits all. And all that all that talk and people need to realize that that it has to be a dynamic way of helping somebody who's in this sort of space yep. is there's there's no one true way of doing it and I, and you know great respect to the people such as yourself that help people try and get past either their addictions or their traumas and everything describe the tilt or and or the tipping point that led you to the path of recovery
1: So, I was just doing really horrible things, and I had to look at myself in the mirror. Mm -hmm. Um, Like I had mentioned before, I felt like I was a burden. So, on February 23rd, 2015, I found myself on the bathroom floor. Mm -hmm. I had pills in one hand, and I had the phone in the other. 20 days prior to that date, I had made a phone call. Um, Shout out to Dr. Vando, (laughs) because he's still my doctor (laughs) to today. (laughs) He's great. But I found myself on the bathroom floor and I just felt like I was a burden. I felt like I just couldn't get it right. I was waiting for this call. Um, and then I felt like I was never gonna get it. And I felt like, why? Well, I, I can't even imagine being clean. Like, not me. Yeah. The noise in my head was just too loud to deal with on my own.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: And I just wanted to die, you know? So I stuffed the pills in my mouth that day, and I was about to swallow, and then I got that call. I think when I started this, I didn't think it was going to be long term. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I fully expected to find a better way to use. Mm-hmm. Um, I was trying to find a way so I wouldn't run out of my medications and a better way to use, you know? Right. I just kind of kept taking each day as it came, Mm -hmm. and I woke up one day, and I have seven and a half years sober, you know? That's awesome. And, um, but I think what really started that process was, you know, I think we had had our second or third miscarriage. I really wanted to be a mom, Mm -hmm. but I wasn't being even a good stepmom or wife. Um, It was really selfish. I only thought about myself.
2: Right.
1: But I also had a lot of self-loathing, and it's very strange. Like, you're not doing anything productive, but you hate yourself. And I just felt like I wasn't making any positive contributions into the life of my family, my mom, my dad, my husband, my, step- my stepchildren. And I felt like they would be significantly better without me.
0: So that all that that just ended up to that tipping point of right. you doing that, but then you're getting that call, and yeah. then from then on there, that started the...
1: Yeah. Okay.
0: Now, mm-hmm. how how important is, and you touched on it before, but maybe you can expand on it, the, the how important is the support to someone beginning in that inception of being serious about
1: recovery? I think it is the most important thing you can receive. A lot of people use because we feel alone. Right. We want to escape that feeling, like the noise in our head. I had a lot of consistent support. I'm really lucky. Uh, a lot of people don't have what I have or had, even. Mm-hmm. Um, I had like an army and a tribe just kind of get together behind me. I was like, we're going to do this, when they knew I was serious. And you this know, is just
0: family, friends and family, have yeah. love?
1: More so my mom, my husband, my stepdad. Okay. Um, the, I think the most important thing when you're dealing with a family and addiction is go to Al-Anon. It's really important because you can't tell that person you're mad at them just yet. Okay. Um, so In
0: Al-Anon for those not knowing...
1: Al-Anon is a, so it's kind of like AA or NA for the, the family. Right. So you get to go and um, you kind of go by the seven, the seven steps, the 12 steps. Mm-hmm. But you're doing it for family and support givers and caregivers of people okay. in addiction. Also oh, a support
0: group for those supporting those yes. recovering through yeah. addiction. Mm-hmm. Oh, that's awesome.
1: Al-Anon is amazing. Mm-hmm. And it helps because so many people go through these experiences, but they're going through it alone, and you do need support. The support needs support. Absolutely. And it's really important with that, too, because when somebody's in recovery and they just stepped into it, you can't yet tell them that you're mad at them. Right. Although that's okay to be mad at them. So they can't hear that just yet. They need to hear all of the, you got this, I believe in you, I'm going to hold you, it's okay. And in time... I would actually say a year later, mm-hmm. a year of consistent sobriety, then you can start to tell the person that they've hurt you. The best way, I think, to do it is to write a letter the day that they get sober. Right. When you see that they've been consistent six months a year, you can have that conversation and let that letter be a blueprint. But um, definitely support needs support and Absolutely. just take it easy and be be kind to yourself and be patient with yourself it's okay to be mad at the addict mm-hmm. that's okay there's nothing wrong with that you have every right and you should be i'd be very surprised if um you weren't mad at the addict you know I, i'd be very shocked right you you have to be almost you know i'm not trying to tell people what to do but it's important to feel that you gotta you know, feel these yeah, things
0: yeah you have to do that that's something that has to be put into light because right. everyone and it's natural for somebody to feel in a sense and maybe i don't know if i'm using the right word but to feel jealous that oh they're they're getting all the shine because they're but look what the fuck they did to me right you know yep. and they're <laughs> upset and and even though somebody might say, oh, no, that's that's not something you should be feeling. They should be supported. And then they're not. They don't feel supported. Right. So that support for the support is amazing. And people need to realize that if you're supporting someone that's going through something so hefty, you know, there is something there for you as yes. well so that they could process. And that's yes. an, that's an amazing. I think that's an amazing thing.
1: al has saved people because a lot of people... You know, a lot of people supporting people in addiction tend mm-hmm. to be um, like very empathetic people, empaths, people that are, are people pleasing, you know, and also the, the addict tends to be people pleasing. Mm-hmm. You're the same. It's right. the weirdest thing. So you're exactly the same. You guys marry each other. And, um, you know, at the same time, you're like, I'm really, I am almost hate you right now. But but I have to love you through this process, especially in early recovery. Early recovery is really tough for family members because you don't trust anything they say. I'm seven and a half years sober, and I still, to this day... You know, my husband says it's a little bit much. But to this day, I still have to take the extra step right. to, to do stuff for my mom so she feels more comfortable. She will randomly, very and this because she hasn't really dealt with it. Right. She will randomly just be like, oh, I don't believe that you're working today. And I'm like, I'm in hmm. court. Like, what do you mean? I'm, I'm at work right now. I'm about to go to court. Yeah. Like, I'm going to go inside. I can't talk to you right now. And I'll take the extra step to send her like a video like, Hi mm-hmm. mama, you said A B C one two three and look I'm I'm here. Right. You know, or doing other little things that I, I know that work for her.
2: Mm. Mm-hmm.
1: But it's it's hard, you know, and as an addict we have to be okay with understanding that we we may have to make um rebuild that trust for a long time. Exactly. Maybe indefinitely. Mm-hmm. Okay. That's okay. Addict addiction is is, is a betrayal. Right. It's a cheat. You know, you you betrayed the people around you cuz we do a lot of things that are that are horrendous. We we lie, we cheat, we steal. Um we don't want to, but but it's the only thing we know to do. We have to spend a, a significant amount of time making that up. And that's okay.
0: And that that's a whole of the journey within itself yeah. that takes just as long to recover from right. than recovery.
1: Right. And I think it's okay for the addict to be mad about that, too. Right. But if I could ever give a piece of advice to anybody out there who's in even, like, midterm recovery, like, maybe they have a few years in just just do it. It starts to really rebuild the trust it, it makes your life a lot easier. Mm-hmm. Don't go crazy. I tend to go overboard just cuz my family's a little different. <laughs> but you know, you do what you can and you just try to rebuild that trust. Mm-hmm. It it'll help you in the long run for sure. It makes you feel good because you're not hiding anything and you can exactly. be just so transparent like I said what I was doing and I'm actually doing that. It's,
0: it's like what I tell my kids, you you have you, you remember less if you don't lie. Right. Right. <laughs> that you had a you had a special case of being pregnant while getting clean take us through that and as you feel this life in you how did it strengthen your resolve to ultimately stay clean
1: so i was actually clean so what we did experience miscarriages while i was using right um and then i got clean in 20 that's
0: right in your recovery yeah. you you got pregnant during your after your recovery yes yes yes, yes. Yeah.
1: so i was clean two years mm-hmm. but my situation is a little bit different and right. controversial just trigger warning really quickly
0: take us through it don't I, worry about the whole trigger thing okay <laughs> yeah
1: so i opted to do medication management mm-hmm. um they started me off with methadone that did not work for me because i knew i was gonna abuse it then they put me on ciroxin and that was a journey and it worked wonders for me it really did i i never ran out of my medications i never overused i never did any of those things however when i found that i was pregnant things had to change right so i was put on something called subutex which is not the best option, but it's, it's healthier for babies. Right. And those nine, ten months, because my child just was really comfortable in my body for whatever reason. Just kidding. But <laughs> he was not trying to leave. But, um, you know, I had to be prepared for the possibility he was going to be in the hospital for a little bit. Right. So what I did was um, I, I went, please, nobody do what I did. Please follow your doctor's instructions i'm not a doctor not any sort of medical professional by any means but i started to wean myself off of it because i really didn't want him to be in the hospital for a long time so what i started to do a month beforehand was just kind of take less and less and less and less Mm -hmm. and um he ended up only being in the hospital for like a week which that's unheard of he he they they were thinking he was possibly going through withdrawals very slight it wasn't he was perfect he was fine um but what was was
0: your what was your doing the weaning off of that to protect your son how did that affect your i don't know if if i'm using like the cravings or just the want did that increase as well while you were pregnant yes and that that made it that made it kind of dangerous yes were you actually like seeking i didn't
1: so my son really gave me he's everything I ever wanted sorry <laughs> no, I,
0: no I feel that way about my kids too.
1: I love him so much um and that was enough for me to not even think you know about um it, it was like a no brainer right um i wanted him before he was even a thought mm-hmm. you know i was told i like, couldn't have children right um because of a, this is why you have tissues okay <laughs> 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 you know and Man, um he's
0: a, share it with us you know everybody who's a yeah. everybody who's a parent yeah. they, they don't see the different struggles a different type of deal just what they go through and maybe some stuff they hear through but this is something yeah. you know they need to know like there are parents who go through this mm-hmm. and they need to feel what you felt going through it so that they know when they see somebody they don't see them as an unfit parent they see them as somebody you know that they love their kids as much as anybody else
1: yeah and it's, it's controversial a lot of people think it's wrong to do medication management mm-hmm. i get it you know it's what worked for me it's kept me sober mm-hmm. um and I just I didn't want him to. Ex- I know withdrawal. Withdrawal is really uncomfortable. It's it's not just physically uncomfortable, but it makes you want to die. You're 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 literally. So what happens when you use drugs is there's a release of serotonin, endorphins, dopamine. When you're going through withdrawal, it's literally completely depleted. You have nothing in you anymore. Mm. So. Knowing that my son, this little baby coming into the world, could possibly go through something that I've endured so many times yeah. was like torture to me. I never wanted to, like, you just got here. I don't want you to suffer. Like, you know, this is why I started this whole thing. You know, I definitely felt like I wanted to use, you know, and I wanted to, like, I miss drugs more than anything. It sounds terrible, but you know i've i've been around women who were using drugs and pregnant and i would just be like i would do anything to have a child and look at what you're doing you know and i had a lot of envy and resentment towards them Mm. it was just like a no-brainer for me like i just my love for him and and the blessed i just felt really blessed that first of all my husband has three children from a previous relationship, mm-hmm. you know, and I have a great, I have a good relationship with their mom and it's, it's a weird dynamic, but it works. No, well, it's a positive
0: dynamic. Yeah. That's what everybody should strive for, yeah. but continue.
1: And, um, I felt really lucky that he chose me to have mm-hmm. this child with, um, after everything he endured and went through mm-hmm. with me. Right. And he still saw me fit to be the mother of his child. Right. And he's a really good dad. Um, He puts women to shame. Like, that's how great of a father he is. (laughs) You know, I've always admired that about him. And, um, like, I was always really grateful that he he allowed me to carry, like, life that he's put into this world. Like, I was always so honored about that. I don't want to let him down. Um, That's such a trust as a man. You know, you're, you're taking yourself and you're putting it into this woman and you expect that that woman is gonna hold that child to term and keep that baby safe right sorry and i owed him that after everything he did for me i owed him that you know and i didn't want to let him down i didn't want to let my family down my mom my stepdad Mm -hmm. you know my stepdad has been such a guiding light in my life you know, he's a pain in the ass, but I just I adore him and he's really he's been there for me since I was a kid, you know, and he's loved me unconditionally and you know, he grew attached to this baby that I'm carrying and my love just for my entire family outweighed anything that I wanted and or felt and I felt like well I'm gonna be a mom now and I have a responsibility Like, it's not always what you want anymore. Right. You know, this is when you start to give up all of those things. And I'll be honest, it's going to sound selfish, but it was difficult because I am an only child. So, you know, I had some tough stuff happen, but, you know, I was kind of used to getting what I wanted when I wanted it. Mm -hmm. But my son just, he's everything I've ever wanted in my life. I look at him, I stare at him when he sleeps. He's my whole life.
0: I am I'm, I'm on I'm on the same page or two with that. I, yeah. The, the same you you've seen my boys and yes. <laughs> you know trust me it's you, you get into that type of conversation that feeling and everything and you know those that don't have yet or decided not to have yeah. they can never understand that parental dynamic of how someone could love their kid you know there's a lot of people out out there um, it was actually one of RG's friend's husband and he kind of echoed the same thing and I overheard him saying that to somebody else and I know a lot of people have probably said it other people have probably heard it but parents realize and it's kind of weird to say what a good they understand murder (laughs) yes oh yeah because when oh yeah when something like they they can rationalize yeah. killing someone oh, yeah. and that's you know in in defense of their children that so that type true. of feeling like i will never feel remorse if i have to put you down for my children right because so you're true. you're just an afterthought mm-hmm. if i have to do that to you because i'm defending them right 100% you know? so yep. it's that i that i definitely get yeah. so it it translates into people feeling that type of emotion and the tears and everything. so believe me it's 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 a different dynamic that you do not understand until you are a parent yep
1: it's true and you know i have my stepchildren i love them so much you know i know i would die for them in a hot minute my love grew for them after I had my ch- my son. It was like I saw them differently, and I was just like, "Yeah, I would kill everybody for these four kids like yeah the all the whole city is gone just for these four, you know, so I completely relate to that. I just love them so much, you know it's it's unconceivable, like it's just like insane, it's an yeah. insane type of love, and it's yeah. just i will kill people yeah, yeah people
0: they, they, they don't un, like another parent understands that parent face like yeah, are you kidding me like you know that yeah that, that, wow you know face, but like the animal from the muffins like you got that face like eh, don't, so don't, don't go there don't go there yeah um so now was there anyone who found it hard to see you going through recovery who may not have been optimistic and didn't think it would succeed
1: not that I know of. Mm, okay. Um, a lot of people didn't know about my addiction. Right. Um, I have lost friends um, because of what I did while using. And I, I understood. You know, I completely understood. You, you have to protect yourself and do what's right for yourself. Right. Um, but not that I know. I don't know of anyone who didn't believe I would stay sober. I, I, I was never really told. Right. Or shown that, okay. you know, and I was also really like close. It's like in a little rock, I guess, of sorts during that time.
0: Mm-hmm. So, <laughs> not anyone listening who is an addict to those helping friends and family beat addiction. Knowing what you've been through, how can they help themselves or each other support the path getting and staying clean? Now we've been you've you've touched on so. Not to rehash, mm-hmm. but there's the, the, the support for those supporting and those that can do for themselves. So, rather than this being a repetitive question, is there anything else you want to expand that? Anything else it could, other than having them the support for themselves, um, being supportive of those recovering, um, is there anything that else you might touch base on that we might have left out?
1: So... The uh, you know, and they say this in NA and AA. Just take one day at a time. I um, I heard this really good example once that you take a shower every day, right? Mm-hmm. But the shower you took yesterday is not valid for tomorrow and the day before. Mm-hmm. So it's important to deal with recovery like that. Um, I'm gonna take a shower today, and I'll take another one tomorrow. Because if I don't take one tomorrow, it doesn't mean the one that I took yesterday is gonna help me tomorrow. Mm-hmm. So you just kind of take it a day a day by day process. Sometimes it's not that simple. Sometimes you may need to take it hour by hour, mm-hmm. minute by minute. Right. That's really important when you're going through especially the beginning of your recovery because you always feel like it's not ever going to end. Mm-hmm. But it will. Mm-hmm. You just maintaining hope and staying patient with yourself. Mm-hmm. Just take it one day at a time.
0: No. That's great. That that's all anybody can do right. until they reach their goal, hopefully.
1: It's important, though, not to, like, focus on tomorrow. Mm-hmm. You know, my sponsor used to tell me that. I was like, oh, but what about, she's like, yeah, I need you to stop thinking about what about tomorrow or later or tonight. Mm-hmm. Just focus on right now, you know, because we don't know what's going to happen tomorrow. We're not thinking about staying sober tomorrow. We're thinking about staying sober at this very moment. Right. It helps you live in the moment and the present. Mm-hmm. That's really important because as addicts, we become really overwhelmed with, remember, like, focusing on, am I going to have enough drugs for tomorrow? Am I going to have enough drugs for next week? You don't want to keep doing that. We're done with that lifestyle just right now. Right. Just right now.
0: Now, when you feel your son can understand or process, your journey, would you share that with
1: him? Yes. Yes. I never want him to meet that woman but I definitely want him to know what I experienced so you know I'm in the process of writing a book at the moment it's Mm -hmm. called Letters to My Father I didn't really have like a support for my father's addiction Mm -hmm. Um, and that is kind of like um, the the process of what I went through through my father's addiction but one day my son is going to pick up a book (laughs) and be like alright what happened here (laughs) you know so I think you should know, especially because um, you know I do a lot of speaking, and you know I'm kind of a little bit out there. And and if you type my name up, stuff will come up. Mm -hmm. So I never wanted to be a situation where he's like 10 or 11, and people are like, "Well, your mom was a drug addict," that he could, Mm -hmm. you know, what I want him to be like, she sure was, (laughs) she sure was. And look at what she's doing now. Look at what we got now. And you know that's what I want. And um, because kids could be mean, you know. So I want him to be able to just be like, yep, that was my mom, and this is her now. You know, I think it's important that he knows who I was, mm-hmm. but not who I am today, but how I got here. No, it's great. Yeah.
0: Now, you, you've talked a lot about how your husband has support you. How does he continue to this day, help you maintain your successful sobriety?
1: He doesn't hold grudges, um, mm-hmm. which I think is just... You know, I had to learn that from him. Mm. He doesn't hold my past against me, you know, in, re- in regards to recovery. Mm. It's, it was something we, he always said we. <laughs> right. um, it was never like, you have to go through this, or you're you're going, you did it. Or, mm. It was more just, we're going through this. Showing you the You know, support, he was always yeah. my partner. He nice. was never, he never just left me out to drive. Mm. He probably had every right to do so so yeah
0: and has he done anything in addition to even though it can be considered that but you know helping a loved one you know strengthen a recovering addict the support is there absolutely as you said you know we're doing this together he showed that and strengthening somebody who at a lot of times can be weak strengthening them through however way possible as long as it's in a positive way now is is there anything you could think of that he's also done to strengthen you as well other than the support because people need to know a lot of people when you when you talk to somebody and they're dealing with somebody who's dealing with this there's not that much of a good roadmap other than saying, you know, being there for them. You got to be there for them. Like, how the fuck do you do that? You know, I'm dealing with somebody who can be difficult, that nobody's the same. Right, right. So the the support's not always going to be the same. So anything you could expand on that can help, you know, realize that, hey, look, you know, support is support.
1: Right, right. He's very proactive, and he's somebody who's very... um, like, if you tell him, I want to be a world-famous singer-songwriter, he's going to find a way to make sure you become a world-famous singer-songwriter. <laughs> and um, he's always been really good with that stuff. So, you know, it's it, I think you have to kind of go by the person that you're supporting right. and kind of go and see how their drum is beating, I guess. Um, with him specifically, he went to... The, meetings with me he Mm. went to therapy sessions with me even though he wouldn't go in but he would sit outside and wait just to tell me or show me he was there rather than you know physically have to like i'm here you know (laughs) for him it was more about the showing even the little stuff like he's had in his phone he for the past seven years he's had my anniversary and (laughs) Every anniversary, he literally has a countdown to the next one and the next one and the next one. And it's those little things, like when you celebrate the small things, mm-hmm. you know, it's it's really endearing and it, it makes you feel good. That first year of recovery, he would tell me, this is the amount of days you have in sobriety. We're almost here awesome. at this amount of time. And the first year, he made it just like incredible. It was right. so, it was like, we had a surprise, he had a little cake for me. It was really nice. He baked it um he got my whole, the whole family involved you know and it just made me feel like oh wow you really see that I did this you know and and i always say a lot like he saved me and he'll go oh, no you did that you did that <laughs> and i do believe that i owe him a lot in right. in regards to my addiction but he's very quick to never take the credit ever 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 he will never take the credit he's mm. very quick to just be like you did that I did not do that. You did it. Right. I still believe that he saved me.
0: That, and that's, a one, that's a wonderful thing to have in your life. Yeah. yeah. What, is, what is a must a person getting clean should hold on to, to not lose faith that at the end of the road is a new life to live?
1: The worst day in addiction. Mm-hmm. Whatever your worst day in addiction is, remember that. Mm-hmm. Like, harp on it. My worst day today will never compare to my best day in addiction. Mm. That's how horrible addiction is. Right. It is like hell. Literally, it's Groundhog's Day. But I always think about the worst day I've ever had an addiction. And it, re- it reminds me to really stay sober. You know, I remember when I was using heavily. It was the summer before I got clean. 2014 maybe and my mom's best friend her son passed away mm. from an overdose okay. and um, I remember I was sitting I was going through withdrawals and I was sitting on the, the kind of like the stoop and my mom was hugging her but she had her back to me and my mom is looking at me and she's just staring at me like not saying anything but I know what she's thinking right. I've never forgotten that look mm. That look of, like, I need you to get it together. Like, I'm not doing this. I'm not burying you.
0: Or somebody's hug- going to be hugging me like right. this.
1: It, it spoke volumes, you know, and my stepdad, like, I remember my stepdad used to take me certain places. He's not an idiot, you know, he's an army veteran, and he would take me certain places, and I'm just like, why are you so insistent? You know, and, and you know, I was going to get stuff, but... yeah. He knew what was going on but i think he did it to make sure i was safe because right. i put myself into such bad situations you know so they were both really supportive but they also i just remember the looks on their faces i remember everything that they had to do to to make sure i was okay i remember my mom Coming into my room, remember, like just to check if I was still breathing. Mm. Um, my stepdad would literally lay with me a lot, right. like when I was still living at home, and um, put his hand on my back to make sure I moved. Like he was scared, you know. Wow. And you know, I didn't live with my my dad obviously, but my stepdad really was really scared for my life, right. you know. And he definitely did a lot. But I think what keeps me there is remembering the worst day in addiction and remembering the looks on their faces and that pain right. that they endured
0: mm. that's 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 really strong words to hold on to
1: and I'll never forget the look on my mom's face that day and I'll never forget the disappointment in my stepdad's eyes Right. when I walked back to the car that day we knew, we didn't say anything yeah. but he looked so disappointed in me mm. and i was just like damn and it hurt me to hurt him
0: yeah that's no, that's very very strong words yeah what are what are additional resources someone can take advantage of here we're we're in new york or in the u.s or another country that they can mirror and discover that they're you know that they're wherever they are what it has to offer to help get clean at any level of addiction
1: so you know the if anybody does have insurance there is a behavioral health line on the back of their card that is really important they're very good about not judging Mm. um
0: is that strictly for addiction, or
1: it, they? There's different parts to it, so it's behavioral health. So they'll ask you, do you need assistance with addiction, mental health, suicide? Like so, there's different kind mm. of departments in okay. it, and this is any insurance card, any at all, mm, okay. or you can just kind of Google addiction help. Um, one thing I always tell people is if they're going through withdrawals and they really want to kind of keep going with it right. check yourself into an ER immediately they will go they will keep you for the three to four days they right. have to um, and help you go through the detox and they'll help you go through it so it's not uncomfortable Right. Um, so with that also though you want to try and you the city hospitals are best, Mount mm-hmm. Sinai um, I believe St. Joseph's is here in Yonkers, I believe, uh, or St. John St. John St. John's. Yeah. They have an addiction unit, so right. it's easier to get help there. Yeah. They'll just send you right upstairs, and it's, mm. it's they're pretty good about it. Okay. It's gotten better. When I was going through some, you know, um, when I was going through the whole process of my beginnings of recovery, when I was just kind of back and forth. Right. It wasn't simple because they didn't, they didn't see, that as a as an issue. They thought it was just the pills. Right. Um, now it's different. They're taking it very seriously. Mm-hmm. Um, Montefiore, they're, you know, they'll do the detox with you. Okay. Um, Lebanon will definitely mm-hmm. set catch you set up for like a week.
0: So definitely check Definitely check the resources that a uh, hospital nearby you because even though we are referencing in the New York area. But right, and in, right. in, Have you dealt with anybody regionally or internationally? that yes. you may have had to research something for them because they weren't in a know
1: yes so I'm so my day job is um I work for an ATI program um and I do a lot of court and I Uh Alternative to incarceration okay so I get kids out of jail pretty much we try to kind of like rehabilitate mm-hmm. but I come into contact with a lot of people in addiction Okay. there's a direct correlation between crime and addiction okay. it's, it's a thing so um you know i've had a, a few people in it i've had one kid that i still work with to this day he's from puerto rico right and i was able to get him assistance but he has medicaid so it, it, it was a little different okay and we got him help in pennsylvania nice. so we sent him off to pennsylvania that was a, helpful with my job But if you Google Bronx Directory of Services Uh or Queens or Yonkers, whatever borough or city or town you're in, Mm -hmm. every town has it. Just If you live in Croton-on-Hudson, let's just say Croton-on-Hudson Directory of Services, Uh it's a PDF. It'll pop right up, and you can literally look for free addiction help, Mm -hmm. Um, and they will help you through the process and it's seamless like i mean i know for the city and they're a little rough in the city so i imagine that in westchester would be a little bit easier Mm but um they will help you and usually you know they do like sliding scale fee or you let them know you don't you don't have an income and they will try their best to work with you okay
0: any chance you've dealt with anybody internationally or not yet because i know i know different countries do this in different ways and they normally don't tend to shine because it's not the way they do it in the u.s
1: yeah and uh,
0: have you seen any type of success internationally how they dealt with addiction
1: yes canada so canada deals um actually i was doing like mentoring Uh with a young lady from canada we kind of connected through an addiction group right so and we still keep in contact she's been sober for five months now which i think mm. is amazing i wish i could share her name but you know um but they do it very differently in canada and right. a lot of european countries as well they do it more of in a harm reduction sense where okay. you know in the u.s we're more like cold turkey stop or medication management which i swear by but in um, canada they put they prefer harm reduction. So they have locations where you can actually go use mm. safely. And um, they have case managers and case workers that help you slowly decrease, mm. you know, based so on your goals. Yeah. Oh, okay. And it it seems to work because oh, there's a big decrease in their um, mm. population of people who are addicted, right. especially to opiates. Okay. So I've seen, I mean, from what I see statistically, it mm-hmm. seems to be, a, you know, helpful, but yeah i don't live in canada but you know from what i see i'm I'm sure the
0: numbers can be easily looked up right right um and that's great now any um any final thoughts shout outs anything you want to mention also let people know how they can you know view your continued journey and all your resources and everything i mean what do you got
1: um (laughs) So I just wanted to thank you guys again. I know I'm a baby. I cry a lot, but <laughs> no, no, no. I really appreciate it so much. You know, the past few years have been a little rough, so I really appreciate this opportunity. Um, my Instagram is Inspiration. It's kind of like a play on my name. Mm-hmm. So instead of it being with an I, it's in. So it's E N N Inspiration. S P I R A T I O N S. um, we
0: also follow each other on ig so (laughs) if you didn't get that then the check out who i follow and you will definitely find her
1: and um so i definitely kind of you know i do motivational speaking i share a lot about where i am mentally and some days are not good and some days are great Mm -hmm. i think you know so weird because my mom is is like she's a very in your face type of person and I'm not I I try not to be like that we're very different very similar but very different mm-hmm. but one day she had told me um that somebody had asked her, like, oh, how are you so open about sharing your experiences and, and about your daughter? Mm-hmm. And she said, I don't know. I just like to, you know, change people's lives through the power of testimony. Mm-hmm. And I ran with that. And that is my mission statement. Changing people's lives through the power of testimony. Awesome. You know, so, um, but definitely follow me on Instagram. You know, I'm on the journey. This is a journey that never ends. Mm-hmm. You know, when once you're in addiction, you're always in addiction. But once you're in recovery you're always supported in recovery. Absolutely. And um, sorry, I'm so emotional. <laughs> but I feel really blessed. You know, I always tell people that if God or, or you know, the creator, whatever, you know, don't no disrespect, uh, came down and was like, yo, Anovi, I need you to do that one more time because we missed somebody that you right. could have helped. I'm like, oh, man. All right. <laughs>
2: Sucks. Let's do you know, this. And I'll do it. But,
1: you know, I, I do believe that, that we go through everything for a reason, yeah. and I've been really grateful to to have seen success in helping people, and have been told mm-hmm. that people have changed their lives because of the things that I've shared. Right. You know, I think right now I'm on to chapter two, I guess, of my journey um, in recovery, and that's dealing with my father's death, mm-hmm. and that's hard. Yeah. So that's what I'm working on right now, and you know, my dad always told me I didn't think I could be. A mom right. and he's like it's all right you're gonna you're gonna have the whole world is gonna be your child mm-hmm. you know and I was like all right dad and I guess <laughs> you know I always end off with a saying and I do explain the saying in my Instagram, so make sure you check that out, but keep doing what you do so we could do what we do. we got this
0: we certainly do, and thank you again for joining me on my journey <laughs> and Doing what we do to help everyone in any way possible. And any little bit, if it helps anybody, I think it's a wonderful thing. And thank you for being a part of my journey.
1: Thank you so much. This was really (laughs) powerful.
0: (laughs) And I, I, I appreciate it. And I'm glad I was able to put you in a space to share your story in such a comfortable way. Even though nobody sees the setup nobody sees how we do it it's a lot of work but i always love the end result and this is an amazing thing yes and thank you for being an, an extremely uh wonderful chapter of this podcast and sharing your story and once the book comes out please come back and you know we'll talk on that and just have another amazing time thank you i'm honored (laughs) i'm
1: really honored genuinely thank you
0: and anybody listening i want to say thank you again and continue to tune in and if you if you yourself have a story to tell if you know anybody um, by all means please reach out to me at fyi i am damaged on instagram uh, FYI, I am damaged at gmail. By all means, please, feel, if you feel the strength from this episode and it empowers you to want to tell your story, hit me up and we'll see. We'll just we'll tell your story to the world. We'll share your strength with the world and little by little make everybody a little bit stronger to move forward. Pa'lante. Thank you, everybody. This is FYI, I am damaged.
1: And I'm a Novi, FYI, I am damaged.
0: Thank you, everybody. Take care.